This podcast is not here for those people that are trying to stay out of last place. Because those consequences don't exist for the people that are listening to this podcast. These are the people that always end up in the playoffs but can't seem to get over that hump. Or the ones who just want to dominate year after year just to show everybody else they're the champions. Guys, this is a fantasy football intervention. And we're about to intervene with your fantasy football life. Welcome on in, all you addicts to fantasy football intervention. It's that time of year. It's that time of year where everybody starts falling off. Those people that didn't deserve to be in your league, the ones that you guys are dominating, are finally falling off. They're not playing anymore. They keep on forgetting that they left an injured player in there. Whatever the case is. That's also bad news for fantasy football podcasts, though, because you start losing Listeners, people start falling off. Typically, the hottest point in time for a fantasy football podcast is right there at the beginning of the season, before it even starts, preseason time, because people are listening for their drafts. They want to take in as much info as they can because they didn't pay attention to the offseason. They're just cramming everything in, and they forget 90% of the stuff they listen to. But that's the busiest time for fantasy podcasts. And as week one, week two, week three... Week four, week four, you end up having a pretty big dip because people don't think they have a chance to come back. Week five happens, week six, and that's when everything explodes because they finally lost that last game. They're one and five, two and four. They just don't think they have a chance to come back, and you lose about a third of your listeners between week six and week seven. But not us. Not fantasy football intervention. And I'm super, super excited about this. We are growing. We are getting so, so big. Yeah, that big. Our support group is getting stronger for this intervention. (laughs) And I have Fantasy Football Discussion to thank for that. So I appreciate it, guys. Thank you very, very much. Fantasy Football Discussion is probably one of the most active fantasy Facebook groups that I've ever seen. So I want to give a huge shout out to Fantasy Football discussion. Appreciate you guys. If y'all want to join in, just message me on Facebook. Message Fantasy Intervention. And say, hey guys, I want to get into this group. Can you guys please send me a private invite? And I will get you in there. I will get you into one of the most active fantasy football groups I've ever, ever seen. And do you know why I'm going to get you guys in there? Because they want avid players. They want people that are paying attention, are up to date, that are asking questions, that are engaging with other people. And obviously you guys are. Because if you're listening to this podcast and you're taking our advice and you're applying it to your fantasy leagues, you're most likely in the running for first, second, third place. Not saying guaranteed, but most likely. As long as you guys are listening to these episodes and you're taking the advice that we've given you, we've been right about 92% of our stuff. 92%. Yes, we do have disagreements here and there, but typically we end up hitting on almost everything. With that being said, guys, we do have some questions from that group. I told Fantasy Football Discussion, hey, if you guys get me in and you guys let me be your official podcast, I will answer questions from y'all's group prior to anybody else's questions. 
over anybody else. I will answer their questions. They take priority. So that's what I'm going to do for them. I'm going to answer questions today, guys, but we're going to do it in the form of segments. And unfortunately, Devin is not here with me today. So you will have to listen to me drone on and on today by myself. So sorry about that, but I'll try to make it as exciting for you as possible. With that being said, guys, we do have FMK today, where we talk about who we want to fuck, who we want to marry, who we want to kill. And then we're going to go into BDSM, Glutton for Punishment. We talk about certain matchups that are just brutal for either the offense player or the defense player, or maybe the team as a whole. So let's go ahead and get started. But right before we do, right before we get started, I want to give one last shout out to Corey Evans. You can go check out his podcast. It's the Dynasty Dude Podcast. And I'm sitting there when I first started, I was about a month in, and I'm feeling really good because I have like 20 listeners a day. I was stoked. It's like, hell yeah, this is awesome. I have 20 listeners that want to listen to my advice. And I started growing and I started getting bigger. So I was like, shit, what am I going to do? And I'm listening to one of his podcasts and he breaks down statistical analytics for you within like 15 minutes. You get a really short, easy podcast, but it's very, very easy to understand. And it pretty much just gets rid of all the other BS that you get from a lot of podcasts, just like mine. It just cuts all that out. Like what I'm saying right now would be cut out of his podcast because all you're getting over there is statistical analytics for dynasty teams. So go check out his podcast at the dynasty dude. But anyways, I reached out to him. And within, I want to say an hour or so, he responded. And all I wanted to know was, you know, how he got started, what he was using, how to get his podcast sponsored, etc. And he answered every single question I had, every single one. And I couldn't be more thankful for his advice and everything that he had to tell me. And because of that, I ended up going from doing two episodes or so a week up to six episodes now, including three DFS for you guys. I'm doing this close to 60 or 80 hours a week on top of bartending. So while all those other bartenders are sleeping until 1 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm waking up at 8 o'clock in the morning just to do all this research so I can get a podcast out to you guys. Just so I can go through, I can record, I can go back and edit, and then publish. And because of that, we are growing tremendously. We are exploding when it comes to growth. Exploding. God, I need a super expensive sound effect for that one too. The reality of the situation is I'm actually able to blow this up and I'll be able to do this full time for you guys without having to bartend. So you guys will get more legitimate information. We'll be able to get a website together. We'll be able to give you guys so much more than what I'm already offering. So I want to say thank you so much, Corey Evans. You can listen to this podcast. Once again, the dynasty dude, thank you for answering my rookie questions. I really, really appreciate it. I hope maybe I can have you on the show one day. That would be epic. But let's go ahead and step on to this episode where we have FMK. But don't I make it look easy? Don't I make it look good? Hey, you drink up all my liquor. Come on, what I'm supposed to do now? Hey, you stop getting all that shit. Come on, you gon' have to back it up. If I get too high now, sugar, come on. I might never come down. I might never come down. All right, so we're going to go ahead and get started up with this episode, guys. We're going to talk about FMK, three guys, and what we'd end up doing with them. Obviously, Mary is somebody that we believe in strongly. Fuck is somebody that we're kind of messing with. We look into it. And then Kill is somebody we don't want on our team, maybe not on our roster. Definitely not starting, though. So 
Obviously you have to take some of this with a grain of salt because of the fact that it might be three really good opportunities such as this quarterback one we're about to start up with. So it's pretty much just gonna put them in a ranking system to an extent. So we're gonna start out with Daniel Jones who right now is ranked number 26 overall as a quarterback. He's had a rough couple weeks. He only put up 5.2 points last week. Is up against Arizona who's the 30th overall ranked defense up against quarterbacks. Then we have Kyler Murray who's the number seventh ranked quarterback right now and he's up against the New York Giants. So we got two guys going head to head against each other. And then I wanted to throw another juicy matchup in there. We have the number 19th ranked Josh Allen who's coming off a bye. Obviously they needed it because they're going up against Miami this week. They needed some time to repair. Now obviously Miami's 32 overall ranked up against quarterbacks. This one's interesting because all three of these matchups are extremely, extremely juicy. So we're gonna start out with my Mary. And my Mary this week, I talked about it in Tuesday's episode, is going to be Josh Allen. Josh Allen this week is going to go off. He's up against Miami. Miami's terrible against everybody. So that might be an obvious pick for you. However, I'm gonna give you guys a little bit of information that you might not have known. And that's the fact that the Dolphins secondary, one out of every four passes goes for over 15 yards. I'm not saying one out of every four completions, one out of every four attempts goes for over 15 yards. That's insane. That has to be a record. The Bills are favored by, I believe, 17 points, which is crazy as well. And honestly, Josh Allen should have his option of who he wants to throw to on any single one of these plays. So I could see Cole Beasley going off. I could see John Brown going off. I mean, Xavier Howard is still questionable. Jones of safety has already been ruled out. It's going to be a field day. Watch out for Singletary, watch out for Josh Allens, but most of all, watch out for John Brown, that deep threat who is going to torch, absolutely torch this Miami secondary this upcoming week. When it comes to my fuck, I'm looking at Kyler Murray. I told you guys two weeks ago, two weeks ago, when he was up against Cincinnati, I said, I know that they're gonna end up running the ball. I know that, I know that. But they don't have a great offensive line to do that, and I know that, I know that Cincinnati's run defense isn't that great either. But I said that Kyler Murray is going to use his legs and use David Johnson, who could be coming out of the slot, to produce and put him up onto the next level. He was hitting all teams outside of one game. And I said he's going to put up at least 25 points, which should put him up on the next level in fantasy football. Boom, he hits at 25 last week, 28.8. And I said this week, the Giants, he's going to go off again, and he's going to put up at least 25 points. He's going to do that. Christian Kirk might be out. They said that they want him to be 100% healthy. We'll see if that happens. But either way, David Johnson would then move to the slot along with Chase Edmonds. And they will use their running backs just like slot receivers because they're that good. Kyler Murray is going to have another bomb week this week. And honestly, it's better that Evan Ingram is healthy for this game because then it becomes more of a shootout. Look for Kyler Murray to have an excellent game this week. And that leads me on to my kill, which is Daniel Jones. And I still kind of like Daniel Jones this week. I think he's going to get yardage with his feet. I think he's going to get yardage in the air, but out of these three guys, Daniel Jones would be my last pick when it comes to streaming options. I actually have him starting in one of my leagues, so I still believe in him. But when it comes to the other two, he's definitely my kill. Up next, we have Melvin Gordon because I am getting a lot of questions about Melvin Gordon. Uh, we have Marlon Mack up against Houston who is number 22 ranked. He's also 19th ranked so far this year. Then we have number 17, Josh Jacobs up against Green Bay's defense who is number 30. And obviously we've seen multiple times with Green Bay and how they were absolutely dominating in the air. Side note, it's kind of funny how 
The teams that are not allowing teams to run on them, the top three teams, have seven losses combined, and the top three teams that aren't allowing passing yardage have one loss combined. You can see who the smart people are here. Stacking that pass rush, stacking that secondary and saying, hey, you can run on us, we don't care. Go ahead, run on us, waste the clock. We're gonna beat you when it really matters, which is not allowing you to pass. Anyways, the Green Bay Packers are allowing teams to run on them. And Josh Jacobs, who was supposed to have a bad week last week up against Chicago, ended up dominating on the ground, I believe having two touchdowns. I think he ends up having a huge, huge week this week up against a very poorest Green Bay front line when it comes to stopping the run. They're selling out to stop the pass. Play Josh Jacobs this week. He's my number one play when it comes to value for DFS, which I'll go into tomorrow. He is my Mary. When it comes to Marlon Mack, he is my F. And I love Marlon Mack in this matchup. I do think it's going to be a shootout, but Marlon Mack is still getting targets in the pass game. Jacoby Brissett isn't running that much. Look for Marlon Mack to have a huge game up against the Houston Texans, who are 22nd up against running backs so far this year. Now Melvin Gordon, <laughs> the golden child, the one that everybody was stoked about. The one that people paid up for the draft, drafted in the fourth round. Oh, as soon as he comes back. Oh, he's coming back early. I get such a steal. Yeah, okay. How's that going? If you don't play football in the offseason, you don't do the workouts, then you don't play in the preseason, there's no way you're going to be in football shape. No way. Two weeks in a row, he's had 7.8 points. Two weeks in a row. And now he faces a Tennessee defense that has been pretty stingy up against the run. They're 13th overall ranked so far this year, and Melvin Gordon is struggling. The biggest thing, Keenan Allen is the squeaky wheel right now. And we're going to talk about this here in a few minutes, so I don't want to go too much into it. But I think the Chargers are going to be past happy this upcoming game. And I actually think that they have a chance of blowing Tennessee out. Now, Derrick Henry still play, don't get me wrong. But I see them going past heavy and not relying so much on Melvin Gordon. We'll see what happens. He's going to be my kill, though, this week. All right, this next one is a shout-out to Troy Dowdy. What's going on, man? Appreciate your questions. And he was asking me about Brita or Jamal Williams in the flex. And honestly, I don't think that Jamal Williams is relevant enough. He's too inconsistent for me. And up against the Oakland Raiders, I don't know if the game plan allows them to get in that situation where he is the passing down back. So I'm not going to talk too much about Jamal Williams. However, I am going to cover Brita in this next segment. So we have Jordan Howard who is 20th overall ranked, up against Dallas, who's 23rd. We have 22nd overall ranked Matt Breida, up against Washington, who's 28th. And then we have the 35th overall ranked Montgomery, who's up against New Orleans, who's 4th. So I'm going to go ahead and knock this one out and say do not start Montgomery this week. They've been solid. New Orleans has been solid up against bigger backs. I'm not interested in starting Montgomery. He's my kill. Just get him out of there. Negative game script is going to allow Tariq Cohen to get in there a little more. Just not interested. When it comes to my... Mary, however, Brita by a hair, I'm going to marry because he's 22nd overall ranked and he's up against a terrible Washington Redskins defense who have shown improvement recently. They've actually been okay. However, this is a revenge game and not for Brita, but for Shanahan, who has mentioned he is going to be relentless up against the Washington Redskins. He's pretty much going to stop him. And I'm a Redskins fan. So it sucks for me, but whatever. I'm over it. I want an early draft pick. Beat the hell out of us. I don't care. But Matt Burita is going to get opportunity because they're going to be up. They're not going to be able to pass the ball up against this massive, massive defensive line and linebackers, these speedy linebackers. So the Redskins, so the 49ers are going to be up and they're going to be running. 
There was mention about Raheem Mostert possibly being hurt. So Matt Breida is going to get even more opportunity than what he did. I mean, Mostert wasn't really touching the ball anyways the past few weeks. But still, Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida are both startable this week up against the Redskins who have allowed running backs to pretty much go nuts on them, primarily because of the negative game script. Jordan Howard is my F. We've seen certain running backs go up against Dallas and just destroy them. Destroy them. However, it was pretty much just in a couple games where this happened, so it's not a consistent thing. But still, I think that you have to put your money in on Jordan Howard, who Doug Peterson has completely gotten behind. He is the starting back. Not Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders is a change of pace. They like to use him down the field a little bit in different plays. But Jordan Howard is going to get the majority of the work in this matchup. So I am definitely, definitely a play on Jordan Howard. I don't see too much negative game script. I think it could end up coming towards the end of the game. By then, Jordan Howard should already have it locked and loaded in. We'll see what happens this upcoming week. But I'm playing Jordan Howard in a lot of different matchups. He's definitely a start for me. Up next, we have T.Y. Hilton. We're going on to wide receivers. We have T.Y. Hilton up against Houston. We have Galladay up against Minnesota. And we have Woods up against Atlanta. And you guys notice how I didn't actually sit there and say the rankings of the other team. And that's because you have to actually look deeper into wide receiver matchups than any other matchup on the board. And I'm going to go ahead and start out with my kill on this one once again. And I'm going to go ahead and kill off Galladay, who I love. I love Galladay. However, Trey Waynes handles the speed side of things for Minnesota. And Xavier Rhodes, who has completely fallen off for the most part, handles the big guys. But that's the thing. He's fallen off against other receivers that are a little bit quicker, a little more agile. He actually does really, really well up against the bigger guys. In Galladay's games last season... He struggled tremendously up against Xavier Rhodes. I don't expect that to change too much in this matchup. They might get down. He might get some garbage time. But these other two guys are just too juicy to not play. Woods is going to be my F. And I think it's pretty obvious why. They're playing Atlanta, which is terrible. And I know, I know that Jared Goff struggled last week. And it's a tough pill for me to swallow as well. But I think Jared Goff is a start up against a very, very bad Atlanta Falcons defense. I mean, they're not good anywhere. I believe the over-under for this is like 54 points or something. So points are going to get put up. I think that Robert Woods is an okay start, an okay shot in the dark, because of the fact that he runs the intermediate routes. Cooper Cup is going to go off in this game. Brandon Cooks is going to need time to get downfield for Jared Goff to hit him, which I don't know if that happens. If Jared Goff can do these three-step drops and just hit Cup, 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 and then hit Woods streaking across the middle... 20 yards, do that four times, five times in that game, potentially a touchdown, that's paying off for you. You can start Woods and feel comfortable this week. T.Y. Hilton, though, that's my boy. This guy just sits there and salivates. He is drooling right now. He's trying to stay hydrated because he's drooling so much just thinking about this matchup. I went back and I looked at the games from last season, and I'm like, holy shit, nine receptions, 199 yards. Four receptions, 115 yards. Like, damn, what are you doing in 2017? He only played them once in 2017. But he still had five receptions for 175 yards and two touchdowns. 2016. It's like, shit, got to check out 2016. Nine receptions for 115 yards and one touchdown. What? Are you kidding me? So then I went back and I looked at who the Indianapolis Colts have played when it comes to speed receivers. And just last week, Tyreek Hill, I was like, oh shit, I forgot. He's still got five receptions for 77 yards and a touchdown. T.Y. Hilton could be the juiciest matchup of the whole entire weekend. I'm sure the Indianapolis Colts are going to load up against him, but still, they don't have Hooker. He is out. That's their free safety. That's their ball hawk free safety. If this becomes any kind of shootout, which it should, I expect T.Y. Hilton to have a huge, huge game. Side note, 
If Paris Campbell's healthy, which I don't know if he is or not, he could end up being a good play as well, a sneaky play, because they are obviously going to focus a lot on T.Y. Hilton. If they end up catching him streaking down the sideline, he could end up having like two touchdowns on two big plays. It's completely possible. If you're in a deep league, I think he's an all right play as long as he does play. This one's up next for Chandler. Chandler out of fantasy football discussion. He was asking about Golden Tate up against Robbie Anderson and Mike Williams. So I actually did have a different lineup for this FMK, but I decided to pivot a little bit and go towards this question because it is interesting. It's more relevant for deeper leagues because there are so many Auden Tate lovers. And I told you back three weeks ago, you should have picked up Auden Tate and you should have played him for that three game stretch. He has a little bit tougher matchup up against Jacksonville, but he still might be playable. I went in and I looked into it and he's up against AJ Bouye. And I'm looking for any little nugget of what Auden Tate does well. And I did see that the Cincinnati Bengals are number two in pass plays so far this year. So I'll take that. That's something. But I went in and looked, and I couldn't find anything that Auden Tate was, like, dominating in or anything that he did well. I mean, anything. I'm like, oh, shit. He's number 10th overall ranked for receptions in the red zone. I'm like, dude, this guy has to be good, man. He's getting touchdowns, right? I just didn't realize it. It must have flown past me. And then I looked at it, and it's like he's number 75 when it comes to receptions in the end zone. So he's getting receptions in the red zone, but he's not getting receptions in the end zone. That could end up changing this week. Maybe he breaks one off and gets it in there, but that's not reliable. And then, boom, I found it. He's number 11 overall ranked in contested catches. He's getting 50% of the contested catches his way. So in other words, they're taking that huge 6'5", 228, tight end frame, even though he's a wide receiver, he's built like a tight end. And he's literally boxing people out and catching half the balls that are thrown his way when he, with a guy draped over his back. A.J. Bouye is only six foot, 186 pounds. They don't really have any big guys there that could stop this guy on the outside. Auden Tate actually has a lot of potential. So I paired him up with Robbie Anderson against the Pats and Mike Williams up against Tennessee. And I'm like, this should be interesting. Robbie Anderson, you can go ahead and throw out the window because he's either getting matched up with Gilmore, which good luck with that, or he's going to end up getting double teamed with one guy underneath, the other guy over top. Typically, Gilmore ends up taking the second receiver on that team that's not in the slot, so Demarius Thomas, and then they allow two guys to play the deep threat, and then another guy, nickel situation, end up coming in and helping out with that slot receiver. So I think that Jamison Crowder does have potential this week for all you Jamison Crowder owners, but Robbie Anderson, you can just you know throw to the side. I don't see it. I said the same thing last week, and I ended up eating my own words up against Cowboys, but either way, I just don't see it up against the Patriots. That's me. I'm here with Tate up against Jacksonville and Mike Williams up against Tennessee. And I already covered Tate and what his potential is. And I look over at Mike Williams. And I think that Keenan Allen is a squeaky wheel that gets the grease. But this is almost too juicy of a situation over here in Tennessee. These guys that are a lot bigger, and I talked about it last week with Cortland Sutton. With Tennessee, their cornerbacks are 5'10", 5'10", and 5'11". Butler, who's expected to shadow Mike Williams, or at least stick on him for most of the time, is 5'10", 189 pounds. That is nothing. That is a fly on Mike Williams' back. And I've talked about it before. I've gotten burned to some extent. It's happened. But if Mike Williams can get one or two of those jump balls in the red zone, he could end up crushing, crushing Tennessee. This guy is 6'4", 218 pounds. He's getting covered by these tiny little guys. Keenan Allen is going to get the volume. No question in my mind, Keenan Allen can end up coming out of this with 150 yards and 10 catches. But that doesn't mean that Mike Williams can't come out of this 
with 70 yards receiving and two touchdowns. I think the upside for Mike Williams overcomes Auden Tate, but Auden Tate has a better floor. So if I need safety, I'm going to marry Auden Tate. If I want the risky badass, I'm going to marry Mike Williams. So that leads it up to the fact that you got to fuck the badass and you got to marry the safe one, right? So we're going to marry Auden Tate. We're going to fuck Mike Williams. He might fuck me. Who knows? That guy's massive. All right. On to the tight ends. We have number 16 overall ranked Jared Cook up against Chicago, who's number 23 overall ranked. We have 11 Delaney Walker up against the Chargers, who are 15th ranked. And we have number 12, Gerald Everett, who's up against Atlanta, who is 17th overall ranked. And this one is interesting because all of these guys have a negative side to them. But all these guys also have a huge positive side. For example, Teddy Bridgewater loves the tight end. In the first three weeks of the season, the Saints threw to Jared Cook in the red zone zero times. In the past three weeks, he's gotten nine red zone targets. Two touchdowns out of that. Teddy Bridgewater loved Kyle Rudolph, and he loves his tight end now with Jared Cook. So that's the upside. The downside is he's still not putting up a lot of yards. The game script might not call for him to get a ton of touchdowns, ton of yardage, so that scares me off a little bit. The other thing is his targets haven't been consistent. They've been all over the place, but they have came up in the past three weeks as well. So Jared Cook, once again, has a decent upside, but also a very low floor. He's going to need a touchdown, I feel like, in order to be fantasy relevant. When it comes to Delaney Walker, he has a solid matchup against the Chargers. I think it could be coming to a little bit more passer-friendly game. But Brian Tannehill has never supported a good tight end. He's had pretty solid overall seasons in Miami, but never had a relevant tight end. So he's Jarvis Landry. That scares me a little bit when it comes to Delaney Walker. Tannehill's a better quarterback than what Mariota was, but he just doesn't use the tight end. Then when it comes to Gerald Everett. Gerald Everett has Atlanta. And Atlanta actually does okay up against the tight end. They're terrible against wide receivers, but they do okay up against the tight end. However, that pressure has been brutal. And Gerald Everett has been going out on a ton, a ton of snaps, a ton of routes run. But if you, can't, if you don't have time to pass, what good is having your tight end go out? I'm nervous that this week they're going to hold Gerald Everett in to block. Let their three wide receivers who are extremely, extremely talented wide receivers go beat this terrible secondary. You don't need Gerald, Gerald Everett. Dump it off to Todd Gurley. You don't need Gerald Everett. That makes me nervous. So when it comes to FMK, I'm going to have to kill Gerald Everett. I'm going to have to F Delaney Walker. He still might have opportunity. They don't have good wide receivers. Adam Humphrey scares me a little bit. He was the leading receiver from Tannehill last week, but still. I'm going to go ahead and F Delaney Walker. And then Jared Cook, I'm going to go ahead and have to marry because Chicago just hasn't been that good this year on defense. I'm hoping, praying, that Teddy Bridgewater continues to use Jared Cook as his crutch. Wahoo, that ends my segment for this, guys. We're going to move on to the next segment here. BDSM, Glutton for Punishment. All right, guys, on to BDSM, Glutton for Punishment. We're going to sit here and we're going to go over a few different players, defenses, offenses, whatever it is, that just don't do well up against certain positions. So, the first one is going to be the Baltimore Ravens. And the Baltimore Ravens defense has been spotty at best so far this year. Overall against the run, though, when it comes to fantasy points allowed, Baltimore's been okay. However, I did a study and I could not find it. I looked for it everywhere. So I don't have the numbers in front of me. But I did a study last year. And the study consisted of 
Where do the targets go when a player gets hurt outside of the replacement player? So who is going to benefit the most from Will Disley getting hurt? And it turns out that the bell cow back, the main running back, in almost every single case that I went to, ended up seeing the most increase in targets when it comes to season long with that play, with another player being out that had targets. So Chris Carson, who has still been corralling a decent amount of targets, could end up getting even more this week up against Baltimore. And I think it could end up resulting in being huge. I don't think Baltimore's ranking is as indicative as what is actually happening in Baltimore up against the run. I mean, they're allowing 2.2 yards before contact. And Chris Carson is breaking tackles. So if he's getting 2.2 yards down the field, and then the tackle attempt happens and he breaks it, you're already talking about being in with the linebackers. That means 10 additional yards, 10 additional yards, 10 additional yards every single time. His yards per carry this week is going to be nuts. And then if you add the receptions onto that, huge, huge implications. So this shout out goes to Aaron Hudson on Fantasy Football Discussion. And it says Mixon and made a little face. I'm guessing you're curious about Mixon. Well, here's the deal. Three weeks ago, the Baltimore Ravens ended up going up against the Browns and Nick Chubb had a field day. 135 yards, three touchdowns. The Steelers, James Conner, got a touchdown last week. Had 55 yards rushing, had some receiving work too. Solid, solid game. Then you had Joe Mixon, and you can just throw Joe Mixon in the garbage because he's not an actual running back. I mean, he might be, but with that offensive line, the whole team belongs in the trash. So I'm not going to talk about Mixon. Sorry. <laughs> However, Chris Carson this week, you have to play him. He's going to be a monster. I had another question that came in from Fantasy Football Discussion asking about DFS. And it was a question regarding Metcalf or Lockett. So along with this, I think that they're going to use the play-action fake extremely successfully this week. And both these guys have a shot. But I think Lockett, you have to run with Lockett. I mean, Metcalf with the price, if you want to play him in a couple lineups, that's cool. I'm not relying on Metcalf. It's just too much of lack of volume. If he gets a great play, it could end up winning you a league because I think his ownership is going to be extremely, extremely low. Although I have heard rumblings lately of people saying that, that Metcalf's stock is coming up because of Disley. I don't think Disley's targets are going to vacate and go to Metcalf. I think that they're going to still go a little bit to Luke Wilson because that's who Russell Wilson loves is, is tight ends. And then the other work is going to go to Chris Carson. Look, to Chris, look for Chris Carson to have a massive, massive game. He's probably one of my favorite players this week. I mean, I, have, I believe in the second or third overall spot for running backs this week. I was going to cover the Jacksonville Jaguars and Leonard Fournette, but I think that's just too easy. I mean, Leonard Fournette is going to go off this week. There's really no need to discuss him. Play Leonard Fournette. And obviously, you're going to be playing Dalvin Cook, who is going to go off up against the Detroit Lions. So I'm going to hop over to somebody that I really, really have been fighting for. Uh, we talked about it a little bit on Tuesday's episode, but the San Francisco 49ers up against Washington Redskins and Dante Pettis is just exploding with potential, just shooting through the roof. And I talked about how Dante Pettis should have had close to three touchdowns, I believe, by now. However, he keeps dropping them or doesn't get his feet in. Obviously, that's an issue. But he was in the doghouse when the season started. He wasn't getting reps. He wasn't getting snaps. He didn't really have a chemistry follow through with Garoppolo. So this past week, he actually got up to 71% snap share. He got six targets. And like I said, he dropped that touchdown. The thing that they love to do with Pettis, though, is just shift him all around. He doesn't have a set position. I mean, he's literally spread all the way around, which means that this is Shanahan's toy. Debo Samuel and Dante Pettis are toys. 
And right now, he's loving, loving to play with Dante Pettis. The Redskins have allowed 14 touchdowns so far this year. And Josh Norman has been brutal. Brutal. Debo Samuel has the speed. So they're probably going to end up putting the safety coverage on Debo Samuel and letting Josh Norman go one-on-one with Pettis. And I think that's a mistake. I think the Pettis is too quick for Josh Norman, and he could end up just killing Josh Norman with the, with the double move. I'm looking for a stack this weekend of Jimmy Garoppolo, George Kittle, and Dante Pettis all over the place. I don't think that Shanahan's going to let up. If they're up 30-7, to seven, he's going to keep throwing. I'm looking for a huge, huge week from Dante Pettis this upcoming week against the Redskins defense that is glutton for punishment up against wide receivers. Now, this is the second part of it, which is two guys that I continue to play and don't see production out of. And that makes me glutton for punishment. And one of them is going to be New Hopkins. I know, I know. He's let everybody down. He hasn't performed up to his potential. He, he's not there. But the thing is, he is there. And he's actually been pretty solid overall so far this season. He just hasn't had the touchdowns. And touchdowns are obviously crucial. But when it comes to targets... 13 targets, 8 targets, 7 targets, 8 targets, 8 targets, 12 targets. He's catching most of those. The biggest thing, though, is he hasn't been seeing targets inside the red zone up until last week. And I think they realize that. And I think they want to improve that. He's had a total of 6 red zone targets so far this year. Last year, last year he ended up having 33%. Of the red zone target share. This year he's only getting 18.5%. I think that the Texans start to see this. Because we obviously saw three last week. And I think they end up going all out. To get Hopkins in the end zone. In a game that could potentially be a huge, huge shootout. This upcoming weekend. I'm playing Hopkins without a thought. And you guys better do that as well. My other one is going to be Brandon Cooks. And Brandon Cooks has let you down big time this year. I actually traded him in three different leagues, but I think I did it one week too early. Because if they decide to start running the ball this week and try and eat up the clock as much as they can, it's going to set up Jared Goff with tremendous, tremendous upside with connection to Brandon Cooks. Getting that ball deep to Brandon Cooks was a specialty last year. They just haven't had time to do it this year because their offensive line is so bad. It's been brutal. I know that Cooper Cup is going to get his targets. I think that Robert Woods has a good chance to get targets. But I'm going to be playing Brandon Cooks this weekend because of the potential to get big plays and touchdowns. Brandon Cooks, four catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown, maybe two. Run the ball, use that play action fake, get it to Brandon Cooks long. I'm glutton for punishment, but I'm playing him this week. Let's go, baby. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for our BDSM segment. I'm going to answer a few questions for you guys that I didn't have a chance to throughout the show. So here we go. I had a question about defenses and when it's okay to trade for defenses. And honestly, if you guys go back to my episode, it's back, back, back. It's called Don't Draft a Quarterback. And if you go back and you look in there, I talk about the values between quarterbacks, like the top end quarterback, the best one, and the number 12th overall ranked one. And how there's really not that big of a point difference compared to the running back position and the wide receiver position. And we're not talking about the wide receiver 1 position versus the wide receiver 12 position. We're talking about all the way to 36 because that's what you might end up having to play. 
with one quarterback leagues, there's only 12 quarterbacks that are going to be in that section. But when you have two wide receiver positions and a flex, you have an opportunity to play a top 36 wide receiver, not including on bye weeks. So there's a huge gap for wide receiver, huge gap for running back. But even when you look at tight ends, tight ends are tougher to judge because tight ends have big weeks. I'm not saying there's no discrepancy between the top and tight end and the number 12 because you have to play the right one every week, but still there's not that big of a gap when it came to whoever was number one last year. I think it was Travis Kelsey versus the number 12 overall ranked tight end. There just wasn't that big of a gap. Defenses were a little tricky though because defenses, you don't know which defense is going to go off. I talked about this as well, where there's only been one defense in the past 10 years, I believe, that has been drafted as a top 10 option that finished up as number one overall. Who would have put money on the Patriots being the number one overall ranked defense? Or the 49ers, who are pretty damn close to them? Nobody. So you don't draft defenses. The defenses you do draft are the ones with the best matchups in the first two weeks. So that way you have time to adjust and see which defenses are actually good. Maybe even the first three weeks. But now we know which ones are good. Now we know which ones have porous secondaries, who's going to be out with injuries. We know what could happen with certain defenses. They're more predictable. So now what you have to do in order to trade for a defense, I think it's okay to trade players for defenses. I do. But it has to be the right ones. So what we do is we go into the defenses. And obviously we see the Patriots are number one. They're scoring 20 points a game. The, pa- the 49ers defense, number two, they're scoring right around 15. Panthers, three, 11 points. The Bears, four. Titans. But what I want to do is I want to go into the schedule. And I want to look at who they have coming up. Because the Patriots' start to the season was insanely, insanely easy. So you could have drafted the Patriots because of the start to the season. That's why you drafted the Patriots. But now you're sitting there thinking, oh man, I'm going to trade for them. Bad idea. So then we look at the Patriots. They have the Jets. Could be an easy matchup. Jets have a bad offensive line. We'll see how it goes. Uh, Obviously, they're still playable this week. But then they have Cleveland, who Baker Mayfield hasn't been good. But Cleveland's coming off a bye. You better bet your ass off that they worked on his ball control and that they are going to be prepared, hopefully, for the Patriots. Then you look at Baltimore, who last year, Lamar Jackson was a mess when it came to turning over the ball. This year, they're doing a little bit better job with it, and they're controlling the clock. And then they have a bye week. And then they come back, and they're facing Philadelphia, Dallas, Houston, Kansas City. All four of those teams are pretty good at putting up points. That's your playoff run. That's when you get in. The only way that I trade for the Patriots, though, is if you're like me sitting there at 6-0 right now, and you're really confident that you're going to make it in, because for the playoffs, this is why you trade for the Patriots. The Cincinnati Bengals and the Buffalo Bills who are turnover prone. You could trade for them for the finals, but who are you giving away to get the New England Patriots just for two weeks? Don't rely on them to get you through the playoff run, the final run, because they're playing four teams that put up points and they have a bye week. Be careful what you trade for. We look at the 49ers, and the 49ers are looking a hell of a lot better, let me tell you. Their massive offensive line is insane. Okay, I've talked about it before. I don't want to go through a huge rant, but they got guys that are on the line that are 6'7". They got guys that are on their line that are 300 pounds. They are strong. They are fast with their linebackers. They're mean, but they are tall as shit. They've got Washington. You're going to put up points. They have Carolina. You're going to put up points. But then they have Arizona, Seattle, and Arizona. And the reason why 
San Francisco's pass defense has been so good is because they're clogging up lanes, they're putting up their arms, they're not allowing the quarterbacks to see. They're putting their, they're putting their outside linebackers on the edge and rushing in so they can't scramble. It is literally giving shorter quarterbacks the worst headache you could ever imagine. Anybody that's not 6'4", 6'5", is going to struggle up against this defensive line. So like I said, with Arizona, Seattle, Arizona, none of these teams have good offensive lines. Then they have Baltimore and New Orleans, which Baltimore, I think, has a better shot to put up points because Lamar Jackson might be able to get into his lanes and might be able to scramble out of the pocket a little bit better than any of these guys because of his elite speed. Not good speed, not great speed, elite speed. But the New Orleans, once again, you're talking about Drew Brees, who is the master of finding holes and throwing lanes. But still, that's what, the, that's what the San Francisco 49ers have been doing. They've been stopping this from happening. So I still see a good game up against New Orleans. And then Atlanta and the Rams is how they finish up their playoff run. You talk about pass-happy teams that like to turn the ball over? Boom. Boom. The 49ers defense, bold prediction, finishes out five points per game higher than the Patriots do this year. And they're down right now by five points. The Panthers. You can trade for the Panthers. They've got San Francisco, Tennessee, Green Bay, Atlanta, New Orleans, Washington, Atlanta. Panthers are definitely somebody that you can trade for and feel safe with. Same deal with the Bears. Just look at the schedules, guys. Look at the schedules and figure out what the matchups are going to be and what the chances of the big plays are going to happen. And if you're somebody that's in a position where you think that you're definitely going to make the, the playoffs, you can grab one of these guys and give away a player that's not being used. You don't have to stream defenses anymore. But don't forget, look at your own defense and the schedule before you trade off for one. You have to realize what the points difference will be and what you're giving up in order to make the trade happen. That question came in from Knight Logic JD, I believe. So I also had a lot of questions about DJ Shark and Gardner Minshew. And I'm going to start out with the fact of this week. And the Cincinnati defense, their main cornerback, is actually going to be out this week. He got hurt. I think he got put on IR. So Shark is a play. I'm not sure that he's going to get necessarily a ton of volume, but with the efficiency that he's been having, it's been insane. And he's proved that he can be semi-matchup proof regardless. So yeah, I think DJ Shark is a play. Gardner Minshew has a very high floor, but also a very low ceiling. So if you're in a position where you think you're going to end up running away with this one, you don't need to play a high-end upside guy with a low floor. You can play Gardner Minshew and feel completely safe about it. But if you're somebody that you need points, you need four touchdowns, you need 300 yards, Gardner Minshew is not the guy to go to. I think Gardner Minshew is going to finish up this game with two touchdowns, 250 yards, and they're going to end up winning by a significant margin. Leonard Fournette is going to run the shit out of the ball. He's going to end up with one of the most fantasy-relevant days of this entire year this week. They're not going to need to pass, but still, Gardner Minshew is safe. When it comes to DJ Shark, is he the real deal? That's coming in from Daniel Black. And Daniel Black, I don't even want to look at your profile picture. It's scaring me. I don't know what it is. I'm not going to click on it. Is that your real face? I don't know. Anyways, DJ Shark, is he the real deal? I think he is, man. This kid is a second-round pick. I thought he'd end up being a first-round. I thought he was a potential first-round pick, but he did fall to the second round. This guy has wheels, man. This guy has all the abilities in the world. I think he's the next up-and-coming star. Like I said, he is semi-matchup-proof. And yes, he has had some, a couple down weeks, but not bad weeks. The thing is, he's 6'3". 6'3", and he's 199 pounds. And he runs a 4-3-4. Guys that are that tall and that big don't run 4-3-4s. He broke out at the age of 20 in college. 
He is the most trendy player right now, and I can understand why you're asking that question, if he's the real deal. I think that he is. He's only in his second year, and he's putting up massive, massive numbers. He's getting seven targets per game, and he's getting two of those as deep targets. His target share is 22.3%, and as long as Gardner Minshew is in, who loves himself some DJ Shark, he's going to keep throwing him the ball. I think they're, they're going to have a very long and happy relationship for a very, very long time, as long as Gardner Minshew holds on to that starting role. And did you know he has not dropped a pass yet? He's just getting deep targets. He's getting all sorts of targets. He's getting target premium. He's just dominating. I love myself from DJ Shark. I'm actually up. So with DJ Shark in Dynasty Leagues, I'm actually trading up for him. Like I'm paying more than what people are asking because I want him on my Dynasty team. I think he's going to be very, very good for a very long time. He's only 23 years old. This kid's sick. Thanks for the question, Daniel. And then Allie. Allie Gunn. Singletary or Gore this week versus Miami. It is Singletary's first game back. However, he was actually a game-time decision two weeks ago, and then they had a bye. He was on the field warming up, and they were like, you know what, we're going to hold you out, we're going to make sure you're healthy, because he's that valuable to this team. He runs with a vicious mean streak. Vicious mean streak. I love Devin Singletary. I think that he's going to end up getting receptions. I think he's going to get, I don't think he's going to run the ball. I think that he actually has one of his best games of the season, potentially career, who knows, this week up against Miami. Start Singletary over Gore. That's my opinion. They want to get Singletary reps. They want to get him in the game. He's a rookie. They want to get his feet wet. Play Singletary. Play Singletary. Play the Bills. Play that stack. Yes. And that's going to finish it for me, guys. Thank you for listening to Fantasy Football Intervention. Thank you, Fantasy Football Discussion, for being my official go-to page and for me being your official podcast. I'm excited to continue to work with you guys. This has been a very, very fun episode for me. If you guys are in Virginia Beach and you're off Birdneck Road and you got a broken iPhone, go up to the iPhone repair store to get it fixed. Any kind of phone, laptop or anything. You tell them that Fantasy Intervention sent you, they'll give you 10% off. Yes. Guys, get excited for that. If you guys want to follow us on Facebook, we're on facebook.com slash fantasy intervention. It is working now. I realized that I had fantasy football intervention in our tagline. It is fantasy intervention. It's working out. Go to Fantasy Intervention. Follow us on Facebook. Send us some questions. We love them. If you guys want to get into this fantasy football discussion group, go ahead and message me. I'll get you guys in because you guys are listening to this podcast, and I love you for it. When it comes to Instagram, we're working on it, but it's Fantasy Football at Instagram. Same thing with Twitter. We're working on it. I'm only one person. I can only do so much. And when I'm doing this much research, spending this much time editing and doing everything else, it's just going to take me a little bit to get it rolling. But I know you guys want it, and I'm getting it for you. Just give me some time. It's FF underscore intervention on Twitter. You guys can listen to us on SoundCloud. You guys can listen to us on Google Play, Apple iTunes, Stitcher, CastBox. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening once again. And thank you for letting me intervene with your fantasy football lives. I'm out. I need to see more out of him in order to really support him, so I'm effing him lightly, <laughs> very easily, just can we, can very we, slow. Can and we out. please insert "fucker gently" by Tenacious D in there? <laughs> I will do my best <laughs> if I have time to edit. It. <laughs> just edit that in there, okay? That'd be awesome. But fellas, listen closely.
You don't always have to fuck her hard In fact, sometimes that's not right to do Sometimes you got to make some love And fucking give her some smooches too Sometimes you got to squeeze Sometimes you got to say please Sometimes you got to say I'm gonna fuck you softly I'm gonna screw you gently I'm gonna hump you sweetly I'm gonna ball you discreetly What's your favorite position? That's cool with me, it's not my favorite, but I'll do it for you. What's your favorite dish? I'm not gonna cook it, but I'll order it from Zanzibar. And then I'm gonna love you completely. And I fucking 